a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with me on the program today. We'll be talking about a, a new bill introduced by New York Congressman Richie Torres that uh, ostensibly aims at cracking down on violent crime near schools, but in reality is directed at uh, legal gun owners by uh, chilling and infringing on their right to carry a firearm. We'll get to that story in uh, just one moment. Before we do, however, Biden's America is crushing us, you know. We've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink. Just look at the price of lunch meat lately. And a digital dollar can be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call GoldCo. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you call them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. So I ran across this, uh, I got to say, poorly written story. From the uh, New York media here, uh, headline, uh, new legislation strives to combat ghost guns in New York City. Well, this is not about, quote unquote, ghost guns in New York City. This is about unserialized firearms and legal gun owners all across the country. Uh, as uh, News 12 in New York oddly wrote, a new legislation has been proposed. It's it's a new bill, but whatever. A uh, new piece of legislation, maybe. New legislation has been proposed against ghost guns named after a teen victim who was struck by gunfire from, quote-unquote, ghost guns. The bill, called the uh, Angeli Yambo Gun-Free Zone Expansion Act, named in honor of 16-year-old Angeli Yambo, who was caught in the crossfire near her school in New York City in April of last year. Representative Richie Torres says the bill is an effort to get ghost guns off the street while expanding gun-free school zones. The legislation would also go further than current regulations, ultimately requiring manufacturers of ghost gun kits to be licensed under the Gun Control Act. So I, I confess I was a little confused by this story. So I went to Representative Torres' website. Again, knowing I'm going to get a very slanted version of what this uh, legislation is all about. But here's what uh, the congressman has to say. The uh, Angela Yambo Gun-Free School Zone Expansion Act of 2023 would ban the transfer and possession of quote-unquote ghost guns and expand gun-free school zones from 1,000 feet to 5,000 feet for all public, private, and charter schools and early childhood education centers. Torres says this legislation will go further than current federal regulations regarding uh, requiring manufacturers of ghost gun kits to become licensed under the Gun Control Act, include serial numbers on the kit's frames or receiver, and run background checks prior to a sale of a quote-unquote ghost gun kit. So in other words, basically, we're going to call them gun manufacturers, even though they're not manufacturing completed firearms. And we're going to treat their products as completed firearms, even though they're not completed firearms under federal laws. We'll just change federal laws so that now something that could be turned into a firearm is considered a firearm. This is going to be pretty legally problematic, I would say, even uh, if Congress does this instead of the ATF trying to do this on its own authority. Um, because, again, <laughs> throughout most of this nation's history, uh, including to this day, it's been perfectly lawful for you to build your own firearm. 
And unless and until that firearm enters the chain of commerce, and again, this law only came about in the 1960s, um, that firearm is not required to be serialized in any form or fashion. So Torres is going to run headlong up against the Bruin decision uh, in terms of looking for historic analogs to the type of uh, prohibition regulation that he's trying to put in place. But that would also, I think, hold true for the uh, proposed expansion of the Gun-Free School Zone Act. Um, you know, the Gun-Free School Zone Act is, is sort of a weird uh, artifact. It, it generally makes it illegal to possess a farm within a thousand feet of a school setting. But there are a couple of exceptions. So if you live within a thousand feet of a uh, area that is covered under the Gun-Free School Zones Act, you can have a gun in your home. You, you can you, you're allowed to exercise your Second Amendment rights. If you have a concealed carry license, then you are uh, allowed to have your firearm with you, um, but only in the state in which the license has been issued. And again, you must have a concealed carry license. So I've got my Virginia carry license. And I could, you know, drive by the local high school here and not worry about running afoul of this federal law. But if I travel to West Virginia, or if I go visit friends in North Carolina, I have reciprocity with both of those states with my carry license. But if I drive through a school zone, technically I'm in violation of the federal gun-free school zone act. And now Torres wants to expand this again from 1,000 feet to 5,000 feet in every direction around every school and quote-unquote early childhood education center. This is, uh, this would be a huge problem for gun owners. Um, Because not only, again, do we have to worry about (laughs) whether or not we're even near a school, we might not know that we're a mile away or almost a mile away, right? And you've got to keep those extra 280 feet in there. But the current law, uh, the Gun-Free School Zone Act, doesn't recognize uh, the reality that now in more than half the country, you don't need a concealed carry license. If you can lawfully own a firearm, you can lawfully carry that firearm. But not under the Federal Gun-Free School Zones Act. So... In those 27 states now that are permitless or constitutional carry, what happens to those gun owners if they're within 1,000 feet of a school? Again, under state law, they lawfully possess that firearm. But under the Federal Gun-Free School Zone Act, they could be in violation of federal law and they could be subject to federal prison time. So I, I think that the uh, Federal School Zones Act definitely needs a, a revisiting by Congress, but not to do what Representative Torres wants to do. It needs to be cleaned up. Now, personally, uh, Thomas Massey has uh, uh, introduced a bill last year that would repeal the Gun-Free School Zones Act completely. That didn't go anywhere. I, I'd be in favor of that. But at the very least, the uh, statute needs to be modified to recognize that there are millions of legal gun owners all across the country who are, again, lawfully carrying without a carry license. And they should not be subject to federal prison time any more than somebody who possesses a valid concealed carry license. What's the difference other than that piece of paper, that government permission slip? And that government permission slip should not be the only thing that stands between you lawfully exercising your fundamental civil right to armed self-defense 
and you spending years in the federal pokey uh, because the federal government said you violated the Gun-Free School Zones Act. So, again, the current law is problematic enough, but imagine the dangers that this would pose to, again, legal gun owners, generally law-abiding gun owners. If all of a sudden now, anytime they got close to a mile of any educational facility, uh, again, unless they possess that valid concealed carry license in the state in which they live, they're committing a federal felony offense. Now, Representative Torres and I disagree, I'm sure, on a lot of things. But not when it comes to protecting kids. We just disagree about how to do it. Because I don't think this is going to do it. You know, the uh, 17-year-old who was charged uh, in the murder of uh, Angela Yambo broke all kinds of laws simply by possessing that fire. He broke local New York City laws, broke state-level laws, broke federal laws, including the existing Gun-Free School Zone Act. He didn't care. And I think that's the real issue here. Rather than going after legal gun owners, law-abiding gun owners, trying to expand these gun-free zones that would entrap and ensnare, again, millions, perhaps, of unsuspecting gun owners who are lawfully carried under the laws of their state, why don't we actually look at the trigger puller? Why don't we look at the fact that this was a 17-year-old who's been charged here, not legally allowed to possess a firearm in any state, Excuse me, uh, maybe illegally allowed to possess a firearm, but certainly not legally allowed to uh, buy one, not legally allowed to carry one. And this uh, 17-year-old was not legally allowed to possess one in New York City or in New York State. And yet, not only was he apparently uh, easily able to get a hold of a gun illegally, but he had no qualms about carrying it. Why is that? I'd say the answer lies less with the Gun-Free School Zones Act and more with the juvenile justice system which, by and large, is taking a pretty soft approach to very serious juvenile crimes. And I understand that the primary consideration of the juvenile justice system is rehabilitation, right? You, you, you want to try to take these juveniles and steer them in the right direction so that they don't end up as adult offenders. I get it. I, I agree with that. But I don't think we're doing a very good job of it. I don't think we are rehabilitating youthful offenders, uh, nor do I think are we providing consequences that might uh, provide a lesson to these youthful offenders that, oh, crap, I am going down the wrong road. WJLA in um, Washington, D.C. had a story along these lines this week. Uh, Teen carjackers, lengthy gun history, a failure of the Maryland juvenile justice system. And... um, They're talking about a carjacking that occurred back on May 11th in the uh, parking lot of the North Forestville Elementary School in Maryland. By the way, another violation of the uh, Gun-Free School Zones Act. Uh, Two people pulled out guns and announced it was a carjacking. Police said one of them was 18-year-old Lavelle Harris, who police say shot and killed 18-year-old Kendall Batson and took his BMW. According to charging documents, the other teen who pulled a gun was a 17-year-old known as Mari, who held a rifle and said, I ain't going to lie to you, I'm going to kill you. Mari reportedly took another person's keys and then drove off in a Honda. WJLA reports that Mari has been caught repeatedly with guns and faced, quote, little to no consequence. Um, January 10th of this year, he was caught with a gun after a foot pursuit, treated as a juvenile. 
July 13th of last year, caught with a gun during a traffic stop. October of last year, Maryland State Trooper spotted him driving on a flat tire. We pulled over. He found Amari in possession again of a quote-unquote ghost gun. And on May 11th of this year, Amari was once again declared a juvenile in one of those cases and was released without consequence. In fact, it was May 11th when he was declared a juvenile in one of those cases and released without consequence. And according to WGLA, two hours later, it is alleged that he had a quote-unquote assault weapon and was participating in a deadly carjacking. Two hours after he got a slap on the wrist and don't do this again, young man. Two hours. WJLA reached out to uh, the local state's attorney, Aisha Brave Boy, and uh, the office said, oh, I can't comment specifically on the case in question, but I can say the changes must be made in the juvenile system to better hold young people who commit crimes accountable. Our goal is to ensure that these young people face consequences, but most importantly, that they do not reoffend. Well, again, I think the two go hand in hand. In the case of Mari, we have multiple offenses and no consequences. <laughs> and I think those two things are directly connected. The lack of consequences leads to further offenses and, frankly, more serious offenses. So, I, I look, maybe Richie Torres doesn't want you or I to have guns at all. Maybe he would love to see the Second Amendment go away. Uh, and on that, he and I would vociferously disagree. When it comes to protecting our kids, I would say both of us agree that it's important. In fact, I'd say the vast majority of us as Americans agree that it's important. But you don't protect kids by criminalizing adults' civil rights. If you want to protect students outside of school, we're not talking about school security here. If you want to protect kids who are the victims of violent crime, you have to deal with the offenders. And when those offenders are juveniles, that means that, yeah, not only are we looking at you know, rehabilitation, not only are we looking at trying to turn them to the right path, but part of that is letting them know that there are, in fact, consequences to their actions, even at 15, 16, 17 years of age. When you were 15, 16, 17 years of age, your parents probably provided consequences for your screw-ups, right? And if the system, if, if your screw-ups were so bad that the system got involved, there were probably consequences then too. And now, not so much. You know, in states like New York and Maryland, they're making excuses rather than providing consequences for juvenile offenders and then placing the blame on our right to keep and bear arms and, of course, on the tens of millions of legal gun owners around the country. We're not the problem. You want to fix the problem? Go after the actual trigger pullers, even if they're juveniles. Richie Torres' bill does not do that. Again, it uh, restricts our right to self-defense, our right to keep and bear arms, in the name of protecting kids, but it would do absolutely nothing to prevent the types of uh, tragic shootings that led to the death of that uh, 16-year-old uh, in New York last year. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our uh, good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. We'll stay in New York, actually. A suspect set to be arraigned after three women slashed in uh, the New York City subway system. Yeah. 
Nobody stepped in, by the way, in any of these attacks. I, I guess maybe the arrest of Jordan Penny uh, has had some consequences. So now when you see somebody getting slashed or stabbed on the subway, you just avert your eyes and say, nah, not my circus, not my problem. Police have charged 28-year-old Kamal Rideout with multiple counts of assault, taken to a Bellevue hospital for a psychiatric examination after police say he attacked three women at random on the New York City subway system, slicing their legs open with a knife on Sunday afternoon. Again, within about 15 to 16 minutes. Um, one of the victims, 19-year-old Bianchelli Diplin, was attacked while leaving the four train. She said, I started up the steps. I felt something in the back of my leg. So I was like, hold on to it. And I saw there was blood. So I turned around and I saw him and he just like stared at me. And I was crying, crying. And he just walked away. Police believe a ride out also slashed a 48-year-old woman at that same station and then rode the train down to the Brooklyn Bridge station where he attacked another uh, woman who was uh, on the train texting her boyfriend at the time. Law enforcement, according to uh, ABC7 in New York, say that Rideout has a history of psychiatric issues. He also has an arrest history with charges that include forcible touching, assault, and attempted rape, all of which occurred in upstate New York. Now, note that that was described as an arrest history, uh, not as previous convictions. So I, 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 don't, I don't know Mr. Rideout's uh, criminal record here, but it sounds to me like with a history of psychiatric issues and an arrest history of charges, but not necessarily convictions, that it's uh, possible, if not likely, that Rideout was uh, determined to be incompetent to stand trial, which again begs the question, why was he out on the streets? And the answer is because New York City has a criminal, uh, New York State has a criminal, uh, a, excuse me, a mental health crisis that... It's not addressing. Um, again, lengthy wait times for individuals who need these types of evaluations to determine their competency. Uh, a lack of care and support for those who are in crisis. I mean, all, all of the above in New York. Uh, and again, this isn't something that a, a gun control law is going to solve. Uh, New York City's subway system is a quote-unquote gun-free zone. It's a knife-free zone as well, I, I, I imagine, right? No weapons permitted on the subway system. But again, when you go after the inanimate object, instead of addressing the individuals at the heart of these crimes, you get more of these crimes. And in New York City, you get more individuals who are mentally disturbed, who are not getting the treatment that they need, who are not institutionalized, as perhaps should be the case, uh, instead they're out and about, uh, inflicting harm not only on themselves, but sadly, as in this case, the strangers that uh, surround them. Uh, today's Armed citizen story, not from New York City. Uh, no, no. Gonzalez, Louisiana, where police say a man was shot and killed after trying to break into his ex's home in Gonzalez, Louisiana. So was, uh, over the weekend, Gonzalez Police Department uh, announced on Tuesday that 35-year-old Joshua Jones of Donaldsville, Louisiana, was initially hospitalized, but uh, later died from his injuries. Jones reportedly tried to break into this apartment late Saturday night. Uh, his ex-girlfriend uh, inside the apartment with her new boyfriend. Jones said, uh, police said that Jones was shot as he tried to shatter the bedroom window. Uh, of the apartment. Now, police have not said who actually fired the shot, whether it was the boyfriend or the uh, ex-girlfriend, but uh, no one 
he was facing criminal charges at this point. Uh, an investigation into the shooting is ongoing, but I, I would say this is going to be a justified case of uh, self-defense here. If you've got somebody actively trying to break into this apartment uh, when he was shot, and uh, we'll bring you any more details if and when they become available out of uh, Gonzalez, Louisiana. Finally today, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Some strangers who uh, helped rescue four individuals after their houseboat capsized during a storm uh, down in Florida. I, I, this was a scary situation for everybody involved, but the uh, bravery and heroism showed by these Good Samaritans is absolutely incredible. Um, so Travis Brady is one of the uh, the rescuers. He says they were out, he and some buddies out on a boat uh, over the weekend. A uh, storm came up, and they could see this houseboat struggling in the waves, and then it just capsized. Uh, so Brady and his friends jumped into the water and swam over. One man able to break the window out of the houseboat to get the individuals who were inside out, others then rushing them to safety. Travis Brady says it restores your faith in humanity, makes you really reflect on things that are important in life. He said, uh, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but it was just an intense moment. Uh, He said they were just lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Indeed they were, but again, they were willing and able to do the right thing as well, and that is the most important part of that story. So, uh, Travis Brady and the other Good Samaritans, thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you here on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Uh, we've had such a busy week that tomorrow, um, Steve Gataski of The Reload is going to join us, and we're just going to do sort of a weekend review. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. We're going to talk about the Third Circuit's decision, kind of splitting the baby when it comes to uh, carry laws. Uh, as well as, uh, I, and I know this is not this week's story, but I do want to get Stephen's take on uh, Gavin Newsom's call for a 28th Amendment. So we're going to have a, a wide-ranging discussion with the Reload Stephen Gataski on tomorrow's Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I encourage you to tune in for that. Also encourage you to check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day today, where we're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. And if you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member, maybe even a VIP gold member. Just go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Thank you very much for your support. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. Be free.